Chapter 5, Part 5 of Guide to the Study of the Christian Religion. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tony Richardson. Guide to the Study of the Christian Religion, edited by Gerald Bernie Smith. Chapter 5, Part 5, The Study of the Old Testament and the Religion of Israel. 5. Palestinian Jewish Christianity. Relative Importance of the Period. The Christian movement began in Palestine, but only a minor portion of its early history is confined to this territory. In fact, Palestinians exerted comparatively little influence upon the movement outside Palestine after the fall of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. After 135 A.D., the church at Jerusalem was composed exclusively of Gentiles, and Jewish Christians very soon came to be regarded as heretics. For example, the Ebionites. Consequently, it will be sufficient in a general survey of the history of early Christianity, to follow the career of the Palestinian Jewish communities through only the first hundred years of their existence, at the same time noting more especially the earlier events of this period. Sources of Information The first difficulty confronting the student is lack of direct sources of information. All the early Christian writings, now extant, were composed in Greek, while the mother tongue of Palestinian Christians was Aramaic. But fortunately, Paul, writing between the years 50 and 65 A.D., refers occasionally to his own relations with the Palestinians. Also, the author of Acts records a few incidents in the history previous to the year 45 A.D., and touches the Palestinian community again in connection with Paul's last visit to Jerusalem. While the writer of Acts was not like Paul in being a contemporary of the events described, yet it is not improbable that he availed himself of some early sources of information, both written and oral. Of course, he selected, supplemented, and explained these sources with a view to convincing Theophilus that a particular interpretation of Christian history was the valid one. Nevertheless, some reliable information is probably preserved in the early chapters of Acts. From the Gospels also, and particularly from the Synoptists, something may be learned regarding the early situation in Palestinian communities. While the Gospels as they now stand are all products of the Gentile mission, some of the sources employed in their composition undoubtedly arose in a Palestinian environment, and they often reflect the special problems of Jewish Christians in the first generation. If one were to attempt a complete restoration of the history of early Palestinian Christianity, 
all this literature would have to be searched for such items as might disclose in themselves a palestinian interest and provenance as distinct both from the situation in which jesus himself lived and from the situation in gentile fields connections with judaism one fact stands out very clearly in the history of the palestinian christians they were all jews and at first they had no thought of breaking with their ancestral faith indeed they regarded themselves as the true jews and apparently conceived their chief if not their sole mission to be that of establishing within judaism a reform movement which would lead up to the fulfillment of the jewish messianic hope when jesus returned upon the clouds they loyally observed jewish customs and adhered strictly to the law in fact many of their number were sure that gentiles could not be saved unless they received circumcision as a sign of their right to the hebrew salvation which was to be god's special gift to the jews other christians were less rigid in their demands and conceded that gentiles who accepted the jewish messianic faith as reinterpreted in terms of faith in the heavenly christ might obtain salvation yet no jewish christian was at liberty to neglect any of the religious rites peculiar to his own people these two attitudes were represented in palestinian christianity throughout its entire history although the more conservative disposition seems always to have predominated it is very necessary to keep in mind this phase of primitive christianity in order to understand the palestinians themselves as well as the circumstances under which the notion of gentile missions arose the attainment of the new messianic faith if the first christians were so emphatically jewish in their leanings what constituted their distinctiveness this lay chiefly in their belief that the apocalyptic jewish messiah who was soon to come upon the clouds was none other than the earthly jesus who had died on the cross this it should be noted constituted a distinct transformation of their former hope that jesus while on earth might deliver the nation even as late as the seventh decade of the first century when the gospel of mark was written it was still remembered that the disciples hopes previous to jesus's death centered upon the earthly jesus and so upon some form of national davidic deliverance which he as their leader might effect but his death shattered their hopes they concluded that god had forsaken jesus and they returned to their former occupations thoroughly disappointed then came the visions of the angelic jesus which led them to believe that he had escaped from sheol and ascended to heaven now they were able to renew their messianic hopes recasting them in apocalyptic form since jesus was in heaven 
was he not really the individual whom god would send forth to establish the kingdom of heaven upon earth this possibility quickly became a conviction with several of jesus's former associates and this faith constituted the most distinctive mark of the new movement there is ample evidence to show that this new faith was the direct result of visions of the risen jesus experienced by certain leading members of the community but a study of the factors involved in this experience carries one over into the realm of primitive religious psychology the main historical considerations to be kept in mind when investigating the subject are one popular thinking in that day moved freely in the realm of what moderns would call supernaturalism belief in the possibility and reality of apparitions was firmly established especially among the populace two there was also a current conviction that in the past god had not permitted certain righteous israelites whom he especially favored to take up permanent residence in sheol but had miraculously transported them to heaven for example moses enoch and elijah three in the case of the disciples there was also the memory of jesus's attractive personality which had led them while with him to believe that he stood in a special favor with god and so was worthy to be the jews national deliverer from roman oppression four furthermore the apocalyptic messianic imagery was ready at hand the moment the disciples began to reflect upon the possible status of their beloved master in the world beyond the grave five it is less certain that any specific words of jesus predicting his resurrection and exaltation constituted for the disciples a real factor in the situation even if he did try to prepare them for this belief as they later thought he must have done they candidly admitted that his attempts proved utterly futile their hearts were hardened and their eyes were holden until after the events had happened six the gospel accounts which emphasize the reality of jesus's risen body reflect a later discussion in the history of christology when the realty of jesus's physical body even prior to his crucifixion was being called in question docetism similarly the story of the guard at the tomb answers the needs of later apologetic the original disciples are hardly likely to have demanded any such props for faith they would be quite convinced merely on the strength of the appearances and would naturally conclude that as in the case of enoch and elijah jesus's body had been miraculously transformed into its heavenly counterpart seven marvelous awakenings from the dead especially in the case of heroes and divinities worshipped in many contemporary pagan cults were familiar items in the thinking of that ancient world and may have constituted an important factor in determining the early christians use 
of similar credentials for Jesus, even if these current ideas may not have really been one of the genetic forces in bringing about the disciples' own faith. The Beginnings of a New Community Very soon after certain friends of Jesus became convinced of his rise from Sheol and ascent into heaven, groups began to assemble in certain places, and individuals preached this new belief probably in the synagogues at the time of public worship. Exact information regarding all the events of these earliest days is no longer attainable. In fact, there is uncertainty as to where the first visions of Jesus were experienced. According to one tradition, the disciples saw him first in Galilee. Another tradition locates all the appearances in or near Jerusalem. Luke 24, 13 through 31, and verse 34 and 36 through 51, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, while the Gospel of John combines the two traditions, giving first place to Jerusalem in John 21, verses 19 through 23 and 26 through 29, and then chapter 2, verse 4 and following. After Christianity had become a formally organized movement standing over against Judaism, there was a strong tendency among Christian interpreters to ignore the obscure beginnings in Galilee or elsewhere throughout the country and to emphasize the importance of the new assembly which ultimately came together at Jerusalem. This is the situation in Acts, whose author apparently knows nothing and cares nothing about earlier and smaller assemblies. The apologetic interest is especially noticeable in the account of the first Christian Pentecost. Since this was the festival at which the giving of the Jewish law and thus the birth of the nation were celebrated, it was appropriately made the natal day of the new rival religion. Likely enough former friends of Jesus came up to the feast from various parts of the country, and those who had attained the new messianic faith would spread the news of Jesus' appearances. Hence it may well be that this first Pentecost marked a distinct stage in the growth of the movement, but the historian must take account of earlier stages in the development, recognizing the pragmatic necessities under which the later interpreters labored. The break with Judaism. The early Christian preachers, whenever the opportunity offered, tried to convince their Jewish kinsmen that the end of the world was near at hand and that Jesus had been elevated to messianic dignity in heaven, whence he would soon return to set up the apocalyptic kingdom upon earth. All Jews were urged to accept this teaching and thus guarantee for themselves a place in the new kingdom. A few of them accepted, but the vast majority did not. Again, the early Christians were enthusiasts. Jesus was now in the messianic office in heaven. His return was near, and the disciples felt themselves moved by the power of the divine spirit, which had always been so important a factor in the history of Israel. 
especially at times of great crises in the life of a prophet or leader. Now they were new prophets of the final age and so believed themselves moved on occasion by the power of the Spirit. The very foundation of their new faith was an ecstatic vision of the heavenly Jesus, and they doubtless frequently experienced exceptional outbursts of new enthusiasm. They even ventured to use the powerful name of the heaven-exalted Jesus in working miraculous cures, notwithstanding the Deuteronomic prohibition against all forms of magical practice. At an early date, the new faith was adopted by Hellenists, that is, by Greek-speaking Jews of the diaspora, who had returned to Jerusalem to reside either temporarily or permanently. Among these converts, whose wider experience tended to liberalize their views on some matters, the Christian cause found new champions. Acts alludes very briefly to this Hellenistic community in Jerusalem, but apparently it was this leadership that especially incensed Saul, Paul, and called forth his activity as a persecutor. This whole course of development tended to differentiate believers in Jesus' Messiahship from other Jews, and the Christian community must soon have become a distinct group, although its members still regarded themselves as thoroughly good Jews. Growth of Missionary Enterprise the rise of interest in missions is one of the most puzzling problems in the history of early Christianity. The earliest Christian preachers talking in a Jewish synagogue at the regular Sabbath service were propagandists from the start, but their confidence in the imminence of the Judgment Day prevented them from planning any extended missionary enterprise even to the Jewish people scattered over the Greco-Roman world. Much less would they contemplate a mission to the Gentiles. But the Lord delayed his coming, and the Jews of Palestine in the main rejected the new reformers' teachings. The pressure of this situation must soon have produced the notion of a mission to Jews of the diaspora. This process of expansion had doubtless begun before Paul appeared upon the scene, and probably it went on in many quarters of the Greco-Roman world, contemporaneously with Paul's missionary labors. It would be a grave mistake to suppose that he and his associates were the only persons doing missionary work outside Palestine but who first conceived the idea of assembling believers from among the Gentiles without first requiring them to become proselytes to Judaism. In the present status of our information, the question can hardly be answered with certainty. The practice of receiving Gentile converts was in vogue with Barnabas and Paul upon their so-called first missionary journey to Asia Minor and presumably it was already a custom among Christians of Antioch who were responsible for the mission of Barnabas and Paul. 
the custom evidently was of spontaneous origin and when later it was made a matter of discussion it was approved even by the jerusalem church a more difficult but closely related question pertained to table fellowship between gentile and jewish converts probably at first no questions were raised as to the propriety of such fellowship among individuals of whatever nationality who had believed in a common lord and received the cleansing rite of baptism in his name but when the question came up for theoretical consideration the jerusalem christians were unwilling to have jewish converts violate the laws of ceremonial purity by sitting down to table with gentiles it was conceded that gentiles might constitute christian communities by themselves but there must be no mixed communities this was the ruling against which paul protested so vigorously in the second chapter of galatians in the light of these events peter can scarcely have decided to abandon the law of clean and unclean meats at so early a date as acts chapter ten and following would imply but after further reflection upon his experience at antioch he may have taken this step nor would this be the first time that the author of luke acts had misplaced an incident peter continued his missionary activities outside palestine and it would not be strange if he also worked among non-Jews. Although early missionaries went out from Palestine, the native church still remained very conservative in its attitude toward the Gentile propaganda. Many Palestinians deprecated it entirely and opposed the work of Paul. Leaders like James, however, approved the enterprise but were offended at the thought of free intercourse between Jewish and Gentile Christians in the same community. These are some of the more important items which require study in reconstructing this part of the history of early Christianity. Life in the Palestinian Communities Relatively little is known of actual conditions within the Palestinian churches. We may infer that many of the members were in straitened circumstances, else Paul would not have been so diligent in gathering his collection for their benefit. They undoubtedly cultivated the Jewish type of religious life, attending regularly upon the services of the synagogue and the temple. They also met together to eat and pray, thereby cultivating their own special interests and among their number were certain persons who naturally assumed a position of leadership. The twelve and relatives of Jesus were naturally given first place. But in this whole region, where exact information is so scanty, the historian must be particularly careful to test statements from a later date when the notion of formal organization had come to be a matter of primal importance, as was the case with the author of Acts. Later History of Palestinian Christianity 
at a comparatively early date the original leaders of the christian movement began to scatter barnabas who had once been prominent in jerusalem removed to antioch where he and paul worked together james the son of zebedee was put to death in 44 a.d and peter barely escaped a similar fate henceforth peter resided elsewhere and james the brother of jesus became leader of the jerusalem church except for the account of the jerusalem council and the story of paul's experiences on the occasion of his final visit to the city the career of the palestinian christians is scarcely mentioned in any extant literature from the first century josephus refers to the death of james in sixty two a d and eusebius gathered up a few scattered notices regarding relatives of jesus who continued to reside in Palestine. These fragmentary items of information are indicative of the relatively minor position which Palestinian Jewish Christians later occupied in the mainstream of the new religion's development. End of chapter 5, part 5